Hey everyone, last spring, Hunter and I delivered a TED Talk at the University of Mississippi entitled, How to Build a Thick Institution. In it, we discussed a leadership framework we developed for our football program at Oxford that we believe helped dramatically improve our program. Well, recently, we turned the content from that talk into a book that you can now read with your team. It has the same title, How to Build a Thick Institution. You can order it online through Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And if you're an Oxford local, Square Books carries it as well. Now I'm going to turn it over to Hunter as he introduces our guest. Our next guest is Josh Smallwood, founder and CEO of Smallwoods, an 80-acre market. Josh is originally from a small town in East Texas called White Oak, and he and his wife have built a wildly successful company that is now employing over 300 locals and slowly but surely making their farmhouse in Longview a destination for shoppers and families who are looking for ways to turn their houses into homes. In this episode, we dive in with Josh to learn more about how the leadership practices he utilizes on a daily basis have allowed him to build a profitable, thick institution that is centered around love, purpose, and family. Josh, thank you so much for spending time with us. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, hey, I'd mentioned this before, uh, you know, my family and several other close friends can't say enough good things about what you all are doing in East Texas right now. So my first question for those who don't know the founder's story that are listening in is, will you briefly articulate how you and your wife got started building this company? Yeah, sure. It's, um, it's a bit of a hard story because it's, uh, you know, 10 years ago now or almost 10 years ago. But uh, we, I, I went to school for accounting. I got a bachelor's in accounting and uh, an MBA. And I thought for a, for a short period of time that I wanted to be a CPA and, and uh, get into some accounting work until I finally did. And I realized very quickly that that work was not for me. It wasn't, wasn't near, as, near as exciting as I thought that it was going to be. Sure. Um, so that was around 2012. Um, maybe 2011 ish, whenever I started just taking notice of a lot of opportunity within social media to, mm -hmm. to start a brand and, and essentially be able to communicate to millions of people for, for free. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that, that window has since closed, but at the time it was very, very new technology in, in that respect that businesses weren't leveraging. Uh, at least not to the degree they are now. And so the problem was I didn't know how to do anything. Um, you know, I didn't know how to make anything or, or uh, had any service to provide. So I uh, had a friend that I linked up with back in our hometown, White Oak, and, and I started making these basic frames that I would buy prints and uh, put them in the frame. I mean, most of this stuff was like Western type. type yeah, yeah, yeah. Type. I'd linked up with a, uh, a company that sold, that was kind of in that niche and uh, taught me how to build frames, how to buy prints. And before I knew it, I kind of turned that thing on its head and started offering it on social media as something totally different, something that was a little more broader in uh, uh -huh. design. And, you know, I just, it, at the time, it was something where you could put up a post millions of people would see it. And then the problem was more about how do you get this product to them? Yeah. And how do you keep up with the demand? It was, it was a really, it was really luck. Um, in, in terms of being able to, to get off my feet and get, get rolling. But, you know, that, that, that has just continually been our main medium for, you know, several of the businesses that we have, uh, in, in terms of marketing and, 
and we kind of solved all the logistics problems we could along the way. And we've been able to, you know, scale, scale most of the businesses, you know, well beyond nine figures. So it's, we've seen a ton of success and, you know, our area doesn't have a lot of uh, major employers outside of the energy sector. So we've been, we've been really fortunate to be able to bring, you know, several hundred jobs here at the local economy. Awesome. And that's, that's so awesome. So, man, Josh, congrats on, on all the success and, um, you know, just what you and your wife have built. But I know one thing that comes to mind for me listening to the story is, is making the jump from good to great. You know, there's so many great ideas that get launched and then they never quite reach that level of success. So I'd love if you could maybe give one or two just expert tips that helped you build to where you are now and expand to, to the levels that you've reached now. Yeah, thank you. You know, I... I have never been able to relate very well to, to folks that, that just loved a product so much that they knew they were going to, uh, you know, make like running shoes or, um, an iPhone or anything like that. I, I, I have always genuinely been interested in, uh, growing a team, being a part of a team, growing a group. And so I, I don't know that we, I ever really had the, the jump from, you know, getting off a go type of thing. I knew I wanted to do something with friends, people I liked. And, and so that's probably the most unique thing about our organization is it's, it's all about, um, you know, how do we, how do we, you know, eliminate the pain that our, that our team members feel and how do we meet the needs that they have? And a, a big part of that is providing uh, the end user with is maximum value. And so it's, it's product oriented. Um, but, but, we're probably, to be honest with you, far more focused on our team members than we are our customers at times, because I feel like that's the lifeblood that, uh, that feeds the other. Very cool. Uh, failure is obviously a part of every story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a CEO or an athletic director, can you share some of the failures that have happened under your leadership and how that sets you up to be a better leader for your company? Yeah, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is is probably the the, the biggest failure or loss that we've we've experienced so far. Um, you know, like I was saying, we we grew the business pretty quickly. You know, like in from 2012 to let's say 2016. Every year since we've started, we've seen something like two to three times growth year over year. And so we've always been trying to sort through the chaos of what growth and scale has has. Uh, presented this with and and so there's a lot of small challenges but but probably from 2012 to 2016 our biggest issue was no facility within our area could house everyone and so we were very fragmented across multiple facilities in different areas of town and so we we had this bright idea that we need to find a facility that we can put all these these uh different activities under one roof and so my son and I were uh, going into town one day and we saw that an old grocery store had gone out of business. And I stopped by and there was a name on the door uh, or a number on the door rather that I called. And, um, and very quickly I was able to lease this building up and it was just the right amount of square footage to take all of these different activities and put them under one roof. And we were probably not in that facility for more than six to nine months when uh, I I remember leaving and, and looking over to my mother-in-law and saying, 
man, this is awesome. We finally done it. We've got everything under one roof. And I was looking at all the, the, you know, different areas of production and assembly and, and shipping. And it, it takes time to get those things primed and get everything situated and people trained on new protocols. And I remember realizing then we had done it. And man, that night I got a call around 1130, uh, close to midnight from uh, the fire chief that said, your entire building is on fire. And uh, I, my heart just sunk. Yeah. I, I, jumped, I jumped into my, uh, my car, and just as I'm turning out on the highway, I look to the left, and I'm still miles away from the facility, I, and it's pitch black. But I, but I can see this glow, and I can see this you know, billowing smoke, and I know that it's a, it's a sizable fire. And so by the time I get there, you know, we, we had probably three or four local fire departments that were responding. It was by far the largest fire, any of those folks had seen and we went from we went from this super high of just finally having made it it was september a month before our fourth quarter kicked off which is our busiest time and we had put all of our eggs in one basket and it it all burned to the ground within 24 hours Wilder Fitness Equipment offers a wide variety of fitness equipment to satisfy all kinds of users from beginners to the most advanced their equipment is built tough and can stand up to the most demanding usage. They start with high-grade steel, precision parts, and expert craftsmanship and use these components to engineer equipment that will give you the durability, performance, and customer satisfaction you deserve at a price you can afford. We've used water equipment for years at Oxford High School and can't say enough about how satisfied we've been. Check them out online today at www.wilderfitness.com. Jeez. Okay, I've got a question about this then. Because you just mentioned, like, we've never been in a place before where we had one facility that housed all of us. Yeah. Well, the way we work is different in the past two years, especially, right? Like, right. we are, it's much more um, socially acceptable now to be able to Zoom from home or from a different city or state or whatnot. Is it still important to you that your team's under one roof, if so to speak, and why, mm-hmm. if so? Yeah, I mean, it, there's a couple of different sides to that. You know, like practically it was important because that's, to make a widget or to make a thing uh, or even to, to distribute it out, you have to physically be together and you have to learn how to cooperate efficiently. And so those things were easier done when we were in close physical proximity to one another. But beyond that, we we had created this whole vibe and culture within the facility where we had taken like an old subway that was a part of the previous grocery store. And we made that like our large gathering area where we ate yeah. lunch. We ate breakfast together every morning and lunch together. And I mean, it's just like, you know, you guys have been coaches or you're a coach now and you know the importance of getting your team together where like it's downtime. It's not a matter of, uh, you know, we're on the clock trying to get production out, but instead we're just trying to have a relationship and build build meaning around what it is we're doing. Those 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 were the two things I would say were like the main benefits of all being in one facility. I, I definitely think you can accomplish a fair bit of that remotely, um, but I can't quite put my finger on what's missing when when. But there is something. Um, I, I'm just probably not the person to clearly articulate it, but I, I just know that. Uh, I've had the desire ever since to get this group back under that same, under the same area at least, so that we can have that level of, of camaraderie. That's good. Thanks for answering that. 
Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Um, so another question that you kind of touched on earlier um, that comes to mind is, you know, you, you mentioned you're not headquartered in a major city, right? You're, yeah. you're headquartered in, in East Texas. Um, and so an outsider might say that's going to hurt your talent pool. That's going to hurt, uh, you know, your options in terms of employees. And you've talked a lot about your team and, and how important that is to you. So um, how do you attract talent you know, to, to work with you. Cause it sounds like you've done a fantastic job of it. Yeah. I mean, we haven't really focused on, um, trying to recruit people outside of our area. I think that's, I think that's mainly because we've, we've noticed that there, there are a lot of folks within our area that might be in a different profession, but they share in all of the right, uh, you know, character, uh, value type, type areas that, that we, we know we need and the training of the technical, most of the technical stuff that we run into, you know, you can train somebody on operating procedures or protocol on how to do a thing, but it's very difficult to train them on, uh, on fundamentally what they, what they value or, um, how they cooperate within a group. So, so I, I would say we've, we've been very diligent as a leadership group in terms of making sure that it doesn't matter what position you're interviewing for, um, you're going to go through the same protocols. And we're looking, we're, we're looking to check the box on all of these, you know, principle, philosophical, uh, axiom type questions before we ever even get into the technical, uh, practical job related questions. Got it. So part two of that, Josh. What's your philosophy on growing talent, retaining it, and then potentially encouraging it to leave? So an effective example we've seen in coaching is you have a a dutiful assistant coach, right? And they are grown to become incredibly effective at what they do. The person hasn't had to leave the, the school or the program to get more responsibility. And then they get that opportunity to be a head coach at another school. Just curious if there's anything kind of like that in, in what y'all do or any kind of a mantra that's like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think, I, I don't know that we have a specific strategy around retaining people so that they don't leave. I think um, maybe we haven't, we haven't reached that, that level of maturity yet as an organization. I, I know our, our, our fundamental idea is that, um, if, if we have around 350 or so team members now, and we, I have this idea of trying to, I guess the way I view my responsibility within the organization is to identify as many pain points that our team members have and as many needs uh, that, that we can meet that they have. And we're all about kind of deploying resources to do that. Um, and, and all of that is kind of rooted in how can we do this for the longest period of time? Um, you know, amount of time that, that transcends my generation and, you know, gets into my kids and grandkids generations. And so uh, we're, we're, when, when people come on, we don't really expect a ton in terms of like, uh, you know, introducing them into stressful projects. We mainly want them to kind of find their legs, almost like a, like an aerobic exercise over an anaerobic exercise. So like, we just want you to build your base you know, you're still going to you're still going to kind of get into decent condition and understand how you can fit in and be productive from day one. But but then you start to understand our philosophy around uh, trying to make sure everybody's paid well. So like we've instituted a, a, a 
self-mandated minimum wage of $15 an hour. So nobody can, you, you come in off the street from high school, you're making 15 bucks an hour at the very bare minimum. And then you can go down the list of benefits that we're going to provide. Uh, you know, we, we, we pay for groceries, we pay for housing, we pay for uh, health insurance. I mean, you name it, we're trying to take care of all those basic physiological needs um, so that we can get into some of those more, uh, what would you call them, like pro-social type things where you can start to introduce those anaerobic type things where it's going to be a little bit of stress, but now we're getting into opportunities for growth um, that are going to that are going to bring about the esteem um, and respect that everybody wants so like I guess you're treating everybody as the individual that they are like we all we all we all share the same desires and needs we're at just different points and on on the of, of uh, our development and so that's that's what our group is constantly doing is not not so much trying to keep you here but trying to identify where you're at and uh, once we know where you're at and we, we know what we have to give, we, we then apply it. And I think as long as, as, long as, uh, we've, as long as we've got what they're looking for, people have, have uh, you know, decided to stay along for the ride. We, don't, we have an extremely low turnover and uh, we have a very like, committed kind of tribal culture because of that philosophy. That's good stuff. So, you know, I'm willing to bet that, that all of you are, are working pretty long, hard hours at times. And I feel like there's always a temptation to do a little bit more and, and not turn off, you know, the, the work aspect of things. And so one of the reasons that we wanted to interview you is that you're a family man. And Hunter and I are deeply committed to being uh, great husbands and fathers in addition to, to being you know good at our jobs. And so I just wanted you to touch a little bit on how you've balanced both of those. And is there any practice you've implemented or any hire that you've made that has helped you accomplish that balance between those things? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we have, you know, I, I remember I've sat through countless interviews where those questions will come up from, you know, single mom or just somebody with young kids. And they just ask, how do you, how do you deal with, with, you know, I'm, I'm out of, I'm out of paid time off and a kid gets sick or I need to take them to an appointment or I need to meet somebody at the house. And, and the, the basic answer is you just go like if, fam if, if family, if, if, if the family needs you, um, you, you, you clock out of here and you go tend to them and you, you have no concern or worry as to what's happening here. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess we've approached it the way I would hope that's, that my employer would have approached it with me. I've got five kids and most all of them are, are, are young. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's, uh, there are some things we hold above, above the business and family is one of them. So, uh, everything has to be right at home for anything to be, uh, even talked about here at work. Just to, just to further go into that though like i know you've talked more about your staff and everything i think specifically maybe with you as the founder and ceo there's a little bit of added weight probably on your shoulders because you're also you probably feel responsible uh for the people that you employ and whatnot and there's also like there's going to be the temptation of hey we could expand a little bit more or uh, you know that mm -hmm. kind of thing i think one thing we're just curious on is there anything that you've implemented like i've got this rule into how you know, my wife and I operate when it comes to work and also having, you know, uh, a cutoff of, of I need to be present here or like, hey, I've made this this hire 
and this person specifically helps me in taking this aspect out of my my job responsibilities. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think um, we, you know, like I, I don't, there are definitely things that we safeguard against uh, so, so that we have privacy within our family and that we have time specifically for the things that Holly and I want to do with the kids. But um, our kids are pretty well integrated into, into our business and all the different facilities that we have set up, it will, it would not be strange for you to walk through any of them and see my staff's kids there or my kids there. That's cool. there you, you can't, and occasionally it's chaotic, you know, like real life. <laughs> you'll, you'll be in a conference room and, you know, Bubba or Jack will slide the door open and I've got four or five people in there that have never met them. But that's when you tell them, get in here, you know, let, let me introduce you to who these people are. And then all of a sudden they get exposed to, you know, how to, how to introduce themselves or how to communicate with, with adults. So it's not really been something we've told, we've been super intentional about doing. It's just, uh, it's just maybe been the way that the group, maybe that's one of the positive things about not looking outside the area. It's kind of an East Texas culture of, of nothing here has had the impact of, of form. Like there's not a big, a lot of corporate form here. And so it's, it's much more like coming to a friend's house that just happens to have 300 occupants. Um, it's more of that hospitality environment or hospitable environment rather than, you know, rigid, rigid, super hard, uh, you know, work-life balance culture. That's great. You answered that well. Okay. Uh, one thing we like to finish with um, at the end of our, of our podcast is always ask uh, whoever we're interviewing uh, kind of like a rapid fire closing round. So I'm going to bring up a couple short questions and all I want you to do is say the first thing that comes to mind. So Yeesh. quick, an- so quick answers. Okay. So here we go. All right. What what book are you currently reading? Rereading Principles by Ray Dalio. Is your family more pro White Oak or pro Spring Hill? White Oak for sure. <laughs> what is your favorite thing that you do to celebrate an employee's work? Uh, I write them a note. What is your favorite thing that you do to celebrate a milestone in your company's growth? Go on a run. What is your favorite family tradition? Mm. Disneyland. Man, we've had, we've had some cool trips to Disneyland, and all of my kids would, uh, would throw something at me if I didn't bring that up. Okay. <laughs> all right, finish this sentence. Above all else, I hope when people visit our property, they leave feeling blank. Taken care of. I love it. Josh, thank you so much for doing this, man. We know you're busy. This was great. Yeah, it's been awesome, man. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Coach and Doc podcast. Uh, We know there are a lot of podcasts out there, so we're grateful that you chose ours. If you'd like to learn more about the work that we do, please visit our website. It is at coachandoc.com. Thanks again.